Maybe if you don't want to talk, you could just listen. And you are listening to the latest episode of your third favorite above average but infinitely curious podcast, Dimed Out. What is happening? How are we doing? How is everybody feeling? Can you believe that we are almost at the end of season two? That has just flown by. I mean, I know that the last year and a bit, the the very already abstract idea of time has kind of been pummeled into a completely different, unrecognisable shape, but it feels like it's changed again. It feels like things are moving quicker. It feels like there is fluidity again. Maybe it's because there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, possibly because there isn't a tyrannical baby in charge over here anymore. I don't know. I'm not saying these things are a definite factor, But I am certainly saying they help. So, I imagine most of you listening are going to be celebrating at this little bit of news. This week is a guest week. That's right. It is not just me and my innate ramblings and musings. Although, if you do like that kind of nonsense, then you definitely want to check out the last two episodes. Episodes 13 and 14, in which I read from my ill-fated, abandoned travel memoir and the time I spent in New York back in 2015. Yeah, so if you've ever wondered why I am the way that I am, that's a really good insight into that. It takes a look at uh, New York, Bushwick, Brooklyn in particular, through the eyes of me and my 30-year-old, socially anxious, neurotic, jittery, catastrophizing mindset. Yeah, it is uh, something and I'm throwing the word something in there as a versatile replacement word. You could put a number of things in there to describe it. For me, it was very much a multi-dimensional, eye-opening experience going back six years, looking at who I was, and uh, sometimes it was kind of cringy and embarrassing, but it was also actually very, as they say, eye-opening to see who I was and to, more importantly, see who I am now, so yeah, if you do like the innate ramblings and nonsense and you haven't checked out the last two episodes, then uh, yeah, highly recommend. But that was then, and this is now. And as I said just a few moments ago, this week is a guest week, and our special guest this week is Audrey from the Anatomyth podcast, a recently released podcast that merges mythology, folklore, and medicine. Yeah, it is a really interesting concept and it's one that she is absolutely crushing in the episodes that she's put out so far. Yeah, seriously, if you love learning and being entertained at the same time, then you cannot go far wrong with checking out Anatomy. I will be putting links in the show notes over at dimed-out.com for this episode. But in the meantime, rather than tell you about it, let's jump into the conversation with Audrey and learn about Anatomy, how it started, why it started, her love for mythology. We're also going to learn some some pretty wild myths in the process and a whole bunch of other stuff as well yeah it was an absolute pleasure chatting with audrey and i hope you guys enjoy the conversation half as much as i did so yeah let's get into it what is anatomy for those that are new to this 
Uh, so it's a podcast that explores the medicine or potential medicine behind uh, certain myths, certain folklore. It's based around the idea that, you know, mythology and folklore and all of these other stories we've been telling for centuries, they're a kind of primitive science. You know, it's something that our ancestors used to describe the world to kind of figure out why things happen. And so I just took that and me being a medical student and, you know, like I grew up around folklore mainly, and I've always been a bit of a mythology nerd. I figured I put the two together. It is a really interesting concept. And and when I discovered this, when we kind of first started talking, I was like, this is actually really fascinating because there are a lot of podcasts that deal with different um, aspects. And, And there are some that dip into folklore, but I've not heard of one that kind of draws uh, parallels or has sort of like a jumping off point from from mythology and folklore to actual medical uh, conditions and, and medical aspects that you see in, in modern day. What led you to create anatomy in the first place? What kind of gave you the idea as in, okay, this is something that I think could work? I was actually sitting in class, uh, one of my professors, and I actually, I remember this very clearly because it was right before the whole pandemic hit. And so I'm in Italy and we went into lockdown yeah. quite a bit earlier than yeah. most of the rest of the world. Yeah. And I remember because it was, I think we had one and a half, maybe two weeks of class um, of our second semester, right before everything went online. And I was sitting in class, I was looking up at the slides and one of our professors Uh, He was, I don't even remember what the main topic was, but it was just a tiny point on that slide. And it said uh, liver and then in parentheses, it had Hephaestus on it. And I don't know if you're familiar with the myth of Hephaestus, but he was uh, in Greek mythology, he stole fire from the gods and he gave it to humans. And for that, he was punished and he was on a mountain. He was tied to that mountain and every day an eagle would come and peck out his liver and overnight it would grow. And it was basically this idea that we can cut the liver down to a certain size and it will still grow back more or less. And I remember because that was, I think that's the third time in as many years I've seen that. I don't know if it's Italian professors or if it's just (laughs) medicine professors everywhere that I was like, why does this keep coming up? And um, I remember, uh, I think I remembered at that point, because that was also the time when I was getting more into science podcasts. Uh, Before then, it was primarily storytelling and mythology and folklore. And I was like, hey, hang on, this is an idea. And that's basically what started all of it. Is that right about the liver? It can grow back uh, no matter what Um, size it gets down to? not um not really no matter what size but you can resection (laughs) it with like you can preserve some of the you have to preserve some of the blood vessels obviously in like a certain um i this is like really bad i'm a medical student i should know this but i don't know what (laughs) size and which you know but you can cut off bits of it and it will grow back you gotta have something to work with i guess essentially Yeah, that that's that is definitely true. <laughs> Probably not the medical textbook term, but we'll go with that. I, I like to yeah, keep things yeah. layman Audrey. It's it's how I understand most things. So we'll, we'll go with mm-hmm. that. But that's fascinating and that is something we'll kind of tap into because I have listened to the first two episodes and there's already a lot of things that you've covered 
which I, I didn't actually know, which, as I say, we'll get into that in a little bit, because I do find it really fascinating in two folds. So you say you're a medical student. Is this, is this something that you've always yes. pursued? Is this something that you've always wanted to do, is, is medicine? I would say uh, for maybe more than the last 10 years, it is something that wow. I've known that I wanted to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. before that, it was archaeology. Okay, so I, I, I can... I can kind of see how how the two sort of tie in here. So you've kind of had a previous interest in history, obviously, and then you've moved on to medicine and you've kind of found sort of a middle ground, I guess, with what you're doing. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, I do actually like the end goal was always forensic pathology, so medical examiners. Mm -hmm. And I think that really ties in with kind of archaeology, anthropology. That's something I've always been interested in. Um, What kind of field of medicine is it that you're studying, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Right now, I'm just in kind of like regular uh, i don't know what the but you know medical school and then once you graduate you can start specializing you do your residency okay um yeah i, I only ask because so, this is all com- still got a couple of years yeah, this is all completely alien to me so i've you know just while while i have a medical student it's just kind of curious to kind of dig into the to a world i yeah, don't know <laughs> so yeah I, I as i said i feel this is this is a very unique concept for a podcast and i feel like it is very interesting and entertaining but also educational for new listeners who haven't dived in yet and i'm stressing the word yet because i know that they're going to go dig into anatomy um what are some of the sort of topics that you've covered so far that listeners can can jump into here uh yeah so the first episode is more kind of on nightmare creatures uh nightmare creatures they're um you can find them in most cultures and the the folklore and I think they're just kind of cryptids that have been around um, forever. And usually there is a link with sleep paralysis. And I think in some cultures, uh, the the word for the nightmare creature is the same word for sleep paralysis. There's a connection mm. there. But I didn't take it that way. I, I took it to, uh, it's a sleep disorder, like a, a breathing disorder yeah. that occurs when you're sleeping. It's called obstructive sleep apnea. And uh, just kind of played around little bit i'm not it doesn't fit as perfectly as sleep paralysis would with kind of nightmare creatures and what they do to a person to a a sleeping victim let's say but you know i i like to stress that the podcast is not something (laughs) you should take too seriously like the myth part and the medicine everything is well research but the connection is sometimes a little hazy so yeah that's the first episode. The second episode, I kind of delve into snakes, like uh, venom and these venomous slash poisonous snakes. They're they're in a lot of uh, mythologies as well, a lot of different mythologies, folklore, even I think local legends. They all have their version of like a snake that can either, you know, spit poison or just kind of breathe on you, like without the fire. And you'd be dead or you'd be in extreme agony. And so I took that and I looked into what real life snakes can kind of spit at you. And that is a thing that that does happen. There are spitting cobras out there. And the main issue that'll happen with that, like um, ocular envenomation, it's when snake venom gets into your eyes and what happens when, when when that would happen. Uh, the third episode is... There's quite a bit more of history in it. I look at these horned deities, so basically gods, medicine men, um, hermits who have horns on their heads, and 
I look at, uh, there's, there's an actual uh, skin condition called cutaneous horns, where horns grow on different parts of the body. And so I just kind of looked at that and certain historical cases of that and why it happens and why you should be worried. Yeah, I found the first episode really interesting because I actually have suffered from sleep apnea in the past. And I was like, really? Yeah. And, and so it was kind of interesting to kind of get more of an insight into mm-hmm. to why that happens. Before I launched the podcast, I sent kind of an audio of the first episode, like a mock up to a few friends and asked for feedback. And a couple of friends got back to me and they were like, hey, I actually have this. And I think um, it's not something that we talk about as much. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also, you know, it's also about awareness. I think part of why I want to do this, because there are some things that, you know, when we were talking about it in class, I was like, this is, I've never heard of this ever. And it turns out it's quite common. So I was like, there's something here maybe we can do something with that yeah and I was going to ask you about that like specifically because as I say Mm -hmm. it's it's not and as you say it's not that common it's not very well known a lot of people don't tend to talk about it or even know about it to even talk about in the first place and I was going to ask is that something that you specifically had in mind to kind of look at in terms of correlating between the myths and the medical conditions um sort of highlighting some lesser known conditions didn't start out wanting to do that it's really just something that it came up in class it was part of our course and you know it just kind of puzzled me but at some point you kind of realize as well that there are a lot of uh, quite common conditions that in the past were just overlooked Mm -hmm. or you know they, they didn't like like with sleep apnea the person who's experiencing it you're not going to figure it out because you're asleep and yeah. <laughs> it, it, it can be quite dangerous, right? Because you're sleepy the rest of the day. And yeah, so I do try to highlight that. Um, now, uh, after that first one, when I was doing research, I was like, maybe I can keep doing this, yeah. keep looking for maybe not so well-known disorders, not so well-known conditions. And the same applies to the myths. I, I try to actively look for uh, stuff which are new to me as well. I was going to ask about this with you mentioning that you you kind of <laughs> you you have you've had an interest in mythology and folklore. I think you described mm-hmm. yourself as was it a, a folklore nerd earlier. Yeah. <laughs> is is a lot of the stuff that you're bringing to the podcast new stuff that you're digging into and researching and finding out for the first time, or are you using like your base knowledge to begin with? Like, how much of this is new to you? I would say about. Um... 30 to 40 percent is new i think for the nightmare episode especially quite a few of those were new i literally i went on the internet i was like nightmare creatures (laughs) Um, wow i can only imagine what you pulled up in your search results yeah it was it was uh i fell into kind of a black hole there um yeah some of them were so the idea for the episode half of it was in class like i already said we talked about obstructive sleep apnea but our professor was describing it and i grew up in the philippines and i grew up around a lot of folk tales and folk sayings and in my head something clicked i was like i know this like there there's something there's a creature in philippine folklore that does this not super exactly but you know, mm-hmm. through through all of the tellings and retellings I grew up around. Uh, so I, I try to bring that aspect. It's it's a little difficult for me to find podcasts that tackle kind of the less, the, the more obscure, like the less well-known 
creatures or stories. And so I think I have an advantage on that part. Uh, For the snake episode, most of them I kind of knew. Mm -hmm. And then it was just a matter of figuring out what the original sources were and to figure out some more new details. So yeah, like a good amount, I would say 30-40% is new. But it's fun for me as well, because then I get to expand my knowledge. And, you know, like, I have all of these uh, reference books and all of these reference ebooks, and I never pulled them out. I'm always like, (laughs) "Eh, I'll read that next time. I'll read it next time. And it's only when I have a project that I'm like, I need to do some more research. And so it's good motivation for me. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've got a reason to dive into them and, and really dig into what they've got. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool. It's interesting. You you mentioned that, like, sort of realizing that you are not familiar with this particular example, but you have heard of a version of that. And it's interesting to see how many similar sort of folklores and mythical characters and, and what have you beings translate from culture to culture, but just have their own sort of different spin on it. That That's something that interests me a lot as well. And I'm finding more and more connections, let's say, the deeper I go. And, you know, I think part of it has to do also with, you know, just travel and people spreading these stories around. And I think part of it is also, there are just, you know, some ideas that echo across, you know, humanity. I think there's a, there's a Doctor Who quote about that, uh, like ideas echoing across dimensions. And I think maybe that's part of it or people, they, they observe the same phenomenon and they're like, well, maybe it's this, what else could it be? Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. Like, because my immediate thought was this seems to be like a grand scale version of the game telephone, where somebody will say one thing and then it'll kind of move on to the next person and grow and differ and alter. But yeah, I think that is also a really interesting point. The idea of like interpreting different elements of human experience yeah. through different cultural lenses. How we we kind of for all of our differences, no matter what corner of the world we're at, we have sort of similar parallels and that often comes through our experience in life. Yeah. And so these core experiences then kind of manifest in, in variations of the same sort of story or idea or interpretation. It's pretty cool. So one thing I want to ask you, Audrey, is, I mean, we're talking about these, these sort of folk tales and, and mythology. The the elements that, that you're covering, and, and just in general with mythology, is it just purely a case of entertaining folk tales and sort of, I guess, rationalization of things for what people didn't probably understand at the time? Or do you, do you feel like there are any sort of believable parallels that you've come across so far? I don't know. I try not to delve into this kind of thinking, actually. Uh, I think, uh, (laughs) right, because like the edges get a bit blurry. Uh, I think it could be both, you know, who knows, right? I think Mm -hmm. there's still a lot that's unexplained. And as they say, uh, magic is just science that hasn't been explained yet. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Right. Like, I think, I think I've read that somewhere. I've heard it somewhere. But, you know, there's this general idea that basically, if, you know, it seems like magic, and if you can't explain it, then probably... You're just not looking in the right direction. So could be, it could be part of it. As you mentioned, right, this game of telephone. And I think we all kind of realize that these stories, they've been told over and over and over again. And so the versions that we know now, they're probably not the versions they started out with over the centuries and the millennia, probably. So I think that that also plays into it quite a bit. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because the, over time, details will have changed mm-hmm. and variations will have, will have altered. It'll be interesting in 100 years' time. I mean, we, we obviously, I say obviously, you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah. We probably, we'll go with that. We probably won't know what they're going to yeah. sound like, but it'd be interesting to know um, how much more they alter in like 100 years' time. So I want to I want to dip into to some of your favorite um, folk tales or mythological figures. So like some of your all time favorites, like when it when it comes to mind, what is something that has has kind of captured your attention or that has kind of really inspired your interest in in this whole thing? Oh man, um, wow, that that's a <laughs> difficult one. <laughs> I've never had to sit down and think of who my favorite uh, mythical characters were. I would say maybe as for fairy tales, one of my, and I talk about fairy tales because I'm actually, one of the new episodes will be focused on a fairy tale. So for fairy tales, there's a Brothers Grimm fairy tale called Frau Holle or Mother Holle. And I think I have like such a strong connection to it because one of my earliest, I guess, exposures to fairy tales was... Uh, my dad had this book of like a collection of maybe 10, 12 Brothers Grimm fairy tales for children. And it was a German version. And the stories in that book, let me tell you, they're meant for children, but they are so different <laughs> from the English versions. Yeah. Like there's Frau Holle, which is, uh, it's basically about a girl who falls down a well and, you know, she's really hardworking and she does everything this woman called mother holla tells her to and so by the end of it she walks through a gate and she's showered with gold coins and it's your typical cinderella she has like a stepmother and a stepsister who are like were horrible to her i think in maybe her versions it became stepmother and stepsister it might have started out as mother and sister actually because uh-huh. that's something that the brothers did they over time they edited and they made them more palatable but anyway, the mother sends the, her favorite daughter down the well as well. And so this daughter, she's lazy. She doesn't want to do anything. So by the end of it, she walks through a gate and she's covered in tar and it never comes off. And I don't know why. I just, I love the idea of someone just walking around with tar all over them. I think it's like, like, how does that work? <laughs> it's just constantly, it's just, it's just attached to her constantly. Yeah, it just it just says that she's just covered in tar and even the picture is just, you know, that this young girl and there's just like black sludge all over her. It's like, um, I think on Nickelodeon, they used to dump slime on people. Yeah. There was a show where they did that and it was, it was that, but you know, just wow. black slime. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, it, was, it was wild. That is interesting. Um, I mean, obviously I don't think the makers of that show were kind of influenced directly by, by this, <laughs> but it's interesting how that has permeated from one thing to another. Right. Um, and I think that's also just, you know, the similar idea of, you know, just things echoing. We always think of the same stuff. As for a myth, one of my favorite myths, I would say, is uh, the Pangs of Ulster. It's a Celtic myth. Mm-hmm. And the goddess, uh, Maha, she's basically like, she's sometimes a horse goddess, sometimes a fertility goddess. We get into this whole idea of, you know, the land and fertility and kingship and stuff. But she's forced to run a race 
when she's like nine months pregnant and about to give birth and she goes into labor right yeah i mean you know myths the kings and the people and myths were terrible i think we can all agree that (laughs) there's always some element of why why would you do that how (laughs) terrible can you be so anyway, she she's forced to run this. And by the end of it, she's in labor and she gives birth to twins, I believe. And she uh, she places the curse on all of the people. And for every man there, for several generations afterwards, um, and the, the days kind of vary. I think it's four, four nights and five days, but sometimes it's nine days. When they're most in need, they will fall down and experience the pangs of labor like she had to. Wow. Right. And I was just like, well, you know, it's kind of a bit excessive, but the punishment fits the crime in that case. I was so, going to say, I, I, I love that. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm not too too fond of people throwing out curses. Usually they seem a, a little bit unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in that case, yeah, totally justified. <laughs> Yeah, right. Because uh, I guess, but you know, at that point, no one can protest the king anyway. If the king forces you to do something, it's yeah. not like someone from the crowd will just be like, hey, maybe not. Yeah, no um, one's going to be that brave voice to be like, come on, mate, this is a little bit out of line. <laughs> right, like just just a little bit excessive, you know, kind of like <laughs> at least let her give birth first. But right. Yeah, so that's... <laughs> Yeah, that, that's one of my favorites. Wow, see, again, that is something I, I've never, ever, ever heard of. And and this is something I'm finding, as I say, with the first two episodes of your show, is that there is a lot in terms of both the mythological aspect, but also the, the medical aspect as well. So, for instance, in the second episode you mentioned is, is centered around snakes. This is something that mm-hmm. you would think is probably common knowledge but you break it down in a very simple but straightforward way, the difference between poison and venom. And a lot of people might not even think there is a difference, but there is. So that's in there. And explaining the itis in conjunctivitis. I've heard that term. I've just had tendonitis recently. Didn't realize what the itis was. So Mm -hmm. it's really cool because I, in just two episodes, have found out a number of things, not only about mythology, but about medicine. Um, And kind of shifting gears a little bit to the latter, is that something that you wanted to sort of use the, the podcast for, was not, to not only just entertain people with these really fascinating stories from, from history, but to also kind of shine a light on, on little-known medical things and kind of give a little bit of information and education as well as entertainment? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely part of it. And I'm actually I'm really glad that you found it helpful because I'm always I, I'm, I'm always a little worried that, you know, I get too technical. No, no. Because, you know... Right, like I, I've been uh, in medical school and I've been surrounded by the for years now, and I always worry that well, maybe it's it's a little too technical. Maybe there are too many words that they're not going to understand. I, I spend a lot of time on YouTube, and some of my favorite medical channels on YouTube where they break down into understandable terms. Uh, mm. They always do that. They're like, "Why is it called this? It's because of that." And then, because that that really helps with recall later on and just understanding. You know, when they're not named after the people who discovered them, a lot of diseases they're they're quite. Once you understand the words which come from Greek or Latin or whatever, once you understand the meaning behind them, kind of like, oh, that's why. So yeah, like I, I do try to slip that in there and just kind of make it understandable i guess well it's working because i mean if if i can if i can grasp it you, you're doing all right Audrey. you're not reading straight from your textbook yeah. if i can if i can grasp it but i, I like that because it's it, it does kind of make a lot of sense 
about things that I, it's not that people I suppose just are ignorant to but just have maybe not encountered because they're obviously not within that field like I say I'm far removed from medical school so these are things yeah. that uh, I, I probably wouldn't have come across in in general uh, finding but in doing so it's mm-hmm. it's good because as you say it kind of creates that sort of recall because now I know what the itis in a conjunctivitis or tendonitis means next time I hear that slapped on the end of something I've got a good frame of reference for it yeah yeah I'm I'm really glad anyway um I I do always worry about that well so far you're doing great um what have you got in store for uh future episodes that people can can look forward to you mentioned that you've recently done an episode based around horns, but what else is is yeah. on the agenda? Yeah, so next up would be a fairy tale based episode. It's a story by the Brothers Grimm, which is also it's quite obscure. Even I hadn't heard about it. I pretty much just like kind of opened up one of the editions of Grimm's Fairy Tales, and I was reading through it, and I was like, "Wait, that's that's new. I'd never heard of this." It's a tale. I think it's about the inevitability of death. And this person, he thinks that, you know, death is going to send him some warning signs before he dies. And then he finds out that he, the warning signs came and he just never saw them for what they were. So it's kind of like fever and gout and all of that. And I, I delve a little bit into age related illnesses and kind of body degeneration with age. Yeah. Uh, the story that I also just talked about with Maha that also features later on as for uh, labor pains and think there are a lot of uh, YouTube videos where people try on this kind of machine. It's called a tense, and I can't remember what it stands for right now, but it's like electrical stimulation something, and it can simulate labor pain. So I thought I'd look into that, and I was wow. like, "Well, I have the perfect, I have the perfect myth in mind for this." <laughs> um, I've yeah. got just the thing for this. Yep, and. Another one quite a bit down the line will be on um, there. And I delve a bit into it, I think, in the second episode where I mentioned the death of Balder from Norse mythology and how Mm -hmm. he was killed with mistletoe. And mistletoe is actually can be quite poisonous, uh, but it's also being used or it was used for cancer research recently. So I thought I'd look into that as well. Wow. See, already just talking to you, let alone having uh, an episode, I'm learning all sorts of stuff. I had no idea. I just thought mistletoe was just that Christmas thing that, that just got whacked out. Right. The, uh... And in the snake episode, this kind of blew my mm-hmm. wig back a little bit. The idea that people are using snake venom in facial creams. Yeah, but I think it's really it's the same idea as Botox, right? Because if it can paralyze your right. muscles. And I, I didn't get into the mechanism um and the episode because i thought i was a bit too technical it it dealt with like all of these tiny molecules and these these ions basically and i you know i was revisiting it and i was revisiting my physiology course where we deal with how muscles contract and i was like i don't want to go through this again it's you know it's just um i think of what i love about doing the podcast as well as it's it's revision for me um Mm -hmm. there are a lot of concepts that we kind of dealt with uh, in the last few years that with all the new information coming in, it's just kind of pushed to the back of my mind. Like I can kind of like talk about it a little bit, but I'm missing details and important concepts. So these are 
it, it helps me really revise that. But yeah, back to the snake venom. Like I was also surprised in the prices for these things. Like oh, yeah, I understand why they're so ex- expensive, but wow, just it's a whole other level. So yeah, it, it, it sounds it. Uh, I, I again, I had never heard of that, and then when I when I heard you talking about it, I was just like, I, again, why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I I think, you know, like humans are just really resourceful. I understand you, me as well, when I when I read about it, I was like, but why would you do that? And mm-hmm. it, it doesn't stop at snake venom as well. I think there's some with bee venom, like from bee stings. I'm like, why would you do that? But I think it also part of it is like, you know, some people would go, why not? Right. So I, I can understand that aspect of it, but yeah, like I, I'm with you on the <laughs> why. Like, why would you? How would you come up with that? Yeah, I, it'd be interesting to know who floated that idea and what the initial response was. <laughs> like, how many people in the board yeah. were like, "Yeah, do you know something, Gerald? I think you're onto something." <laughs> Snake venom facial cream. Let's get it tested. <laughs> but you do bring up a good point when you mention that. In in the sense that we do have this strange resourcefulness of of turning things that could possibly kill us or do some severe damage and then kind of reutilizing them i think that has been present like all throughout history as well like the first anti-venoms were basically venom as well like a lot of the concepts for these um ancient medicines which don't really work let's say or have kind of like a 50 50 chance of either saving you or killing you they're based on this idea that well if you use it against itself like vaccines basically right like you you take part of the virus or you stimulate the virus to use it against the virus so i think it just ties into that quite a bit all right audrey so where can people find anatomy it's on uh, spotify it's on apple podcasts it's on stitcher and Castbox and podchaser and also podbean now i believe I think I got it on there. Um, yeah, then, you know, the usual social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Anatomith, Anatomith Pod on Twitter. Excellent. Uh, I will, of course, put all the links to all of your stuff in the show yep. notes uh, for this. So everyone can go just jump from there and go check it mm-hmm. out. And I do highly recommend everyone do uh, check out Anatomith because it is it's really, really fascinating. And there's some really interesting stuff in there, both from the medical side and from from the mythological, I can't even say that, mythological side. <laughs> yeah, I generally really enjoy what you're doing, Audrey. I think it is genuinely entertaining. I, what I really like is the fact that you are pulling folk tales and mythology from everywhere, from Norse to Asian to European. I just it, it seems like you've got such a wealth of, of material to dig into. Yeah, um, I do. I really try. That's, I think, a lot of my time uh, in terms of research goes into that because I do believe that there are a lot of connections somewhere. And yeah, I think it also it enriches us when we uh, when we find these connections and when we learn more about how, you know, our ancestors thought similar to other mm-hmm. cultures, ancestors. And, you know, like I there's probably some kind of trade going on that that links to that but again i'm not i'm not an anthropologist i don't know these these connections these traveling migration stories so um for me it's enough to just kind of like look into what else is out there All 
All right, gang. So there you go. That was my conversation with a wonderful Audrey from Anatomyth. As I said, a really interesting concept and one that she is pulling off with aplomb. I just, in the two episodes I've listened to, have learned a whole bunch and found some really genuinely fascinating, if not kind of twisted, uh, folk tales, which is always a great bonus. Um, yeah, highly, highly recommend you go check out Anatomyth. Really, really crushing it with what she's doing there in the few episodes that she's put out. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what she does with the show as she moves further forward. What a last guest to have, right? It's pretty great. Pretty great, if I say so myself. Yeah, last guest next week, last episode of the season. Hard to believe, but it's true. So what we're going to do for the last episode is uh, is kind of just more of a casual sort of reflection of a few things, really. At the end of season one, we did two episodes called State of the Union, which were very much centred around the current, at the time, US election. And it's kind of a theme, a concept, a gimmick, whatever you want to call it, that I want to kind of adopt for the end of each season. Not necessarily a political look back, a political reflection, but just a reflection in general, a sort of timestamp on where we are at the moment. Because really, this show was born out of a huge paradigm shift that was felt across the world. And, you know, we ended our first season at another turning point. And so I just like the idea of bookmarking the end of these seasons with a look at where we are, what is happening, where we're going. In, in a big sense, in a global sense, in every sense, really. But also with the show as well. Because I feel like there has already, within the span of two seasons, been quite a bit of growth. I started this having no idea what I was doing, really, or what I wanted the show to be. And that is still kind of true, because I, I like the idea of keeping a sort of fluid identity to the show. You know, I'm at one hand sort of shackled a little bit by the fact that there is no certain anchored topic or subject that we cover. But at the same time, you know, not sort of pigeonholing the show, not sort of putting it in a particular box, gives it so much room to breathe and grow and investigate and explore different areas. So, yeah, I like the idea at the end of each season, taking a look at what has been, where we're at, both globally and within the show's framework as well. So, yeah, we're going to kind of be taking a little look at things in the outer world, and we're going to be taking a little look at what we've covered in Season 2. And we're also going to be taking a little look, a little preview, of some things that I have in store for Season 3. I also want next week's episode to be an open forum for you guys. So if you have questions that you want to ask, whether that be about me or about the show, or about some of the subjects and topics that we've covered, whether that be in Season 2 or even in Season 1. If you've got questions that you want to pitch my way, then please let me have them. Likewise, as we go into Season 3, if you've got ideas, suggestions, recommendations, things that you would really like to see the show touch upon in its third season, then do let me know. I, I want to hear from you guys. I've said before that I want this to be an open sandbox, collaborative type of thing. And I very, very much mean that. I mean, I can come up with stuff all day long. Trust me. Anybody that knows me to a reasonable level will know I can talk their ear off about anything. But I want you guys to let your voices be heard. I very much see this as our thing. 
not just the mine. So yeah, if you've got questions, if you've got ideas, suggestions, what have you, do get them into me. The best way to do so is over on Twitter or Instagram. You can find me at I am Mal Foster. We do have a Facebook page for Dime Doubt, but if you want a more of a direct response, Twitter and Instagram's probably going to be your better route. It's also, as an added bonus, a really great way to help support the show as well. Perhaps you're new, perhaps you've just recently discovered this and you're still asking yourself, why am I listening this far in? Well, if you've got that far, you might as well continue and you might as well support us in in these tiny little ways that make a big difference. So yeah, go follow us on Twitter and Instagram, as I say, at I am Mel Foster. Another great way you can support the show, probably the best way, as I usually say, is to simply subscribe. We are available on your favourite podcast platform. We are just about everywhere. So yeah, wherever you get your pods from, you can find us. Hit that little subscribe button. And uh, not only do you help support us, but you get every episode from this point beamed to a device of your choosing without having to do anything. So yeah, everybody wins. And not to over-egg this particular pudding of drumming up support, but we do also have a Patreon account as well. So if you really, and I mean really, enjoy this show... And let's be honest, there may be a few of you that actually do. Uh, We do have, as I say, a Patreon account. You can find us at patreon.com. You can read about our single $5 tier, all the juicy bonus goodies that you can get over there as well. But that is, as I like to say, always optional. And on that note, that's about it for this week for our penultimate episode in season two. As I said, next week, we're going to be doing State of the Union part three. We're going to be taking a look at where we all are collectively and uh, where the show is, where the show has been. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a celebration. So charge your glasses, get your fanciest party hats on, look after yourself, look after each other. And until next week, keep it dimed out.